Turn with me this morning in John chapter 4. And Pastor, I do have one more question. What would it take to get the piano tuned before I come back? You know our story. I told you last night about the piano tune. <laughs> oh, I won't go into that. Thank God. Thank God. I'm, I'm so honored to be here this morning. So we're so privileged to be with you today. And to be in the presence of people that we're going to spend eternity with. Thank God. Thank God. There's many of you I know by face, but I don't know your name. And even if I did know your name, by the time I came back, I probably wouldn't know your name. Because we meet so many different people. I have people come up to me in Walmart in, in the little town in Lebanon, Ohio, where we live. And they come up, they call me by name, they want to know how we're doing, where we've been, da 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 I have no idea who they are. But they know who we are. And uh, so I, it used to embarrass me, but now I usually just tell them, look, I'm sorry, but I, I can't place you. <laughs> I don't say I don't know you, but I usually say I, don't, I can't place you. Tell me, help me. So if you run into me somewhere, and I have no idea on God's green earth who you are, please let me know, okay? I said, okay. All right. John chapter 4, verse 39. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, would you do so? Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you about a Savior today. How many of you are glad you know the Savior? That's all that matters today. Do you know the Savior? Amen. John chapter 4, let's begin at verse 39. We're jumping in at the end of the story that most of you, I guarantee you, are very familiar with. We call her the woman at the well. And Jesus is there at Jacob's well. I love this, this line from the scriptures. I love this about the Lord. It tells us so much. He is there, and the disciples have gone into town, McDonald's or somewhere, to get something to eat. And, and it says this, and Jesus sat down on the, Jacob's well. He was wearied with his journey. Anybody besides me ever been weary with the journey? We're in good company. Jesus is there, and he's wearied with his, with his journey, but he's there by divine appointment. And uh, he's talked with this lady, and she runs back to the city. Verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, watch this, for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed, listen, because of his own words. And they said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying. But we have heard him ourselves. We've heard him our. How many of you are glad for the day 
You heard it all from grandma and grandpa and even from your parents. But there came a day when you heard the word for yourself. You didn't have to uh, depend upon what somebody else had told you. He said, we heard him ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. I got one thing to say this morning about this, the title of my message. Oh, what a Savior. I wish I had the range where I could sing that song, but I don't. Oh, what a Savior. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you this morning for the privilege of being with our family and friends here in Connersville. I ask that this morning, Lord, you will touch me with supernatural strength and power. Let your glory, Lord, be demonstrated and realized in this place as your presence fills this place. Lord, especially this morning, I pray, if there is one person here today who is not a, a, a child of God, as we've sung, They've never committed their life to you. They've never surrendered. They may know everything about you from what they've learned, Lord, since they were a child. But there's never been a day where they have committed their life unto you. I pray for them this morning. And I ask, Lord, for every need to be met. Every person to leave this building saved. Right with God. If there's somebody here, Lord, that's a backslider. I pray for them this morning, especially too, that you will draw them by your love. In Jesus' name, do, Lord, what you intend to do today. We'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise in your precious name. Let the church say amen. I want to remind you, you can be seated. I want to remind you of another powerful scripture. The same man that wrote this book, John the Apostle John, he wrote 1 John, and in chapter 3 and verse 8, he said this. He said, for this purpose, the Son of Man was made manifest, listen, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Destroy the works of the devil in people's lives. He came other places, the Bible said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh-huh. And another place I read that says Jesus came into this world to save sinners. I love that verse. Oh, my. He came. He knew what he was coming for. He met this woman. John said, as he's getting ready to introduce this story to us, he said, John said that Jesus, and Jesus had to say this for John to say it, that he must needs go through Samaria. I trust that you know that most, most Jews would have gone way out of their way to go around Samaria. There was a, there was a problem, a racial problem with, uh, that was there. But Jesus, he must needs go through Samaria. I've discovered that Jesus came to this earth with what I call a divine must. That word must is, a, is a, an imperative. If he's going to obey his father, and how many of you know he said he came to do the will of the father, he must go through Samaria. 
Why? He's under divine appointment. There's a woman that's going to be at that well in a few minutes. We don't know her name. We don't know much about her except that she's had a rough life. She comes at the hottest time of the day because she knows there won't be any of the other women from the town there. They came earlier that morning and they enjoyed their fellowship one with another. It was their, their time to gossip and share all the latest news of everybody's family, etc., etc. And she knew that she would not have to endure their ridicule. Everybody with me? That's why she waited until it was the hottest time. She grabbed her pot. I guarantee you she didn't think much about what was going on. She did this every single day. And so without thinking much about it, she took her pot and she started to the well. But what she did not know, <laughs> somebody was at the well. And he was there under divine orders. He was waiting for her. I got some news for you this morning. Jesus was here before we ever got here. He was waiting for us. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, he is waiting for you. Yeah, we don't know anything else about her to, to mount to very much. We know she's been married five times. We should have gasped when I said that. And now she's living with somebody and she's not married to him. And a lot of people, a lot of religious people, a lot of people in Pentecostal churches today, they, they let this pass by. They don't think it through. I'm not saying that they, they think that Jesus isn't concerned about people like that. They just don't understand the depth. None of us do probably. The depth of the love of God for people that are in such need for him. He's divinely appointed. You see, darkness has got an appointment to, lead, to meet the light of the world. At Samaritan's well. And so she shows up, and I, I know that you know this story. <laughs> oh, what a meeting they had. And she was so precious to him. Listen. He revealed something to this woman that he never revealed to his disciples. Listen, he told her, he said, the woman said unto him, I, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called the Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And you know what Jesus said to this woman? Something he never said to the Pharisees. He never said to the scribes. He never even said it to Peter, James, and John. He said to this woman who's been married five times and now shacked up with somebody else that a lot of people would just say she's hopeless. But God gave her a divine revelation that he never said to his disciples. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee, I am he. I'm the one you've been waiting for. 
I can tell you she found the Savior that day. I said she found the Savior that day. My question to you this morning is, have you found the Savior? Do you know who he is? Oh, my, 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 my. 700 years before Jesus was born, the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah, declared to his people that he was their Savior. Listen to it. Isaiah 45, verse 21 begins, says, There is no God else besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, listen, listen, and the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow. This is Isaiah writing, hallelujah. Uh, hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, hundreds of years before the apostle Paul wrote the same thing to the Philippian church. He's just quoting what Isaiah said. He said the words of the Lord. He said, unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear or confess. Didn't Paul say that to us? God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every other name. And at that name, every knee is going to bow. I love the way he said it. Every knee in heaven is going to bow. Every knee that's on the earth is going to bow. And every demon's knee that's under the earth, they're all going to bow before that name that is above every other name. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Jesus, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Even his mother Mary was overshadowed. Now, there are a lot of people that get bent out of shape when I tell you what the Word of God said. I didn't come for any controversy. I pastored for years up in Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, most everybody that was in our church, even if they had come into Pentecost years and years before, they had all come out of the, of the Catholic Church. <laughs> and so when we were having communion, I used to, when I pastored down in this area, I just simply said, let's receive the, the, the bread, the body of the Lord. I didn't dare say that up there because they believe in the doctrine of transubstantiation and that it literally becomes the body and the bread, uh, blood of the Lord. And so I'm <clears throat> just telling you that so you'll know where we were. And, <clears throat> and, and, and I would say to them, let's receive that which represents the body. And the blood of Christ, because that's what we believe. Come on, somebody say amen. But listen to what Mary said. Overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, she yielded herself to the will of God. Listen to what she said. My soul, she's praising God. She's at Elizabeth's house. <laughs> Elizabeth told her, something's going on. Because when I heard your salutation, the babe leaped in my womb. That's John the Baptist. And so the Holy Ghost came upon Mary. She began to prophesy. She said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Did Mary say that? That's exactly what she said. What's she doing? She's declaring her own need of a Savior. She goes on. She said, he, 
the Lord my Savior. He has regarded my low estate. I won't take time to go through all the meanings of, of those words. But listen, low estate, when she said that, she's confessing. What she is, it literally means spiritual abasement. I'm just simply telling you that Mary was realizing that she was giving birth to the Savior of the world. And the one that she was giving birth to was going to give a spiritual birth to her. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, Joseph. We overlook Joseph in the story of Jesus coming. And he's a vital part of the story. He's getting ready to divorce Mary because he didn't believe one word that she said. But he loved her and he didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to uh, publish it in, in, in town or whatever. But in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord pierced him in a dream. Listen, listen, what God, the, the privilege that God gives Joseph. He said, Joseph, every word she told you, son, it's absolutely the truth. Now, I know King Jimmy doesn't say that. But that's what he said to him. And he said, everything she said is the truth. And you, Joseph, are going to name that baby. Oh, my Lord. And you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh, my Lord. What a Savior. I said, what a Savior. What is a Savior? He saves us from our sins. He redeems our life from destruction. He ransoms us from the hands of the enemy. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. I preached a message years ago and I entitled it, The God Who Scavenges. That's what he did. That's what Jesus came to do, came to seek and to save that which was lost. I was reminded when I was growing up, I grew up in, in the, uh, just out of Cincinnati, way out in the country. And in those days, would never happen today, the EPA would shut you down. <laughs> but in those days, we didn't, well, we were at the end of the lane. I mean, you came onto the road, you go down this gravel road, and when the road ended, that's where we were. Nobody ever came down there unless they were coming to our house. No, we didn't have trash pickup on Monday mornings. We burned what would burn. We fed our dogs and our cats with what the scraps were from the table. And for the, the things that would not burn like the tin cans and the glass jars. Nobody was recycling anything back then except back into the earth. How many of you know I'm telling the truth? We didn't, we didn't use that word recycle. Well, what did we do? It was my job to burn the trash. I'd take it out. We had a, a grate, you know, there, and I would burn what would burn. And those things that would not burn, we had a dump. It was in the ravine. I see some heads nodding. You did the same thing, didn't you? That's what, the only choice that we had. They never put up with it today. We throw the things uh, over in there. And I look back at some of the things that we pitched. 
And I realized, now I realize, there were some things that were very precious to people today that are buried under the trash, under the filth, under all of that. What I would give to be able to go back and dig through what we had the dump. It's been years since we lived down there. But let me tell you something. I know it may require a lot of effort to get through the trash, get in the dirt, get in the filth. But there are treasures that are buried under there. Some of you will remember the old Clorox bottles. They were brown bottles. They're worth a fortune today. There are plenty of them that are resting out there. Some of you may be old enough to remember, I think it was the Milk of Magnesia. It was a cobalt blue bottle. My Lord, what those are worth today. All I'm saying to you is that our Savior, <laughs> he's a scavenger, Pastor. He knows what's buried under all the layers of trash and filth and dirt of our life. A lot of people would say, I don't know why in the world anybody would go out there and dig around in all of that trash and all that filth. I'll tell you why. It's because the Savior of the world that I'm talking about, he knows the value. <laughs> I said he knows the value. And he treasures what's buried under the filth of this world. He's not intimidated. To get down and dirty. And all of a sudden one day it dawned on me. Uh, that's the reason he came to this world. Let me remind you of something the Bible said. He who did no sin. Who knew no sin. All he knew was holiness and righteousness. He who knew no sin. He became sin. I said he became sin. He knows what it is to be dirty. In fact, I'll tell you this. There's no human being that ever walked on this planet. He was the God man, but there was no human being that became filthier than he did because he became sin for the whole world. My sins, your sins were laid upon him. He knows what it is to be dirty. Oh, come on, somebody. Yes, he does. He knows what it means to be dirty. He's not intimidated by the filth of our lives. Can somebody say thank God. Oh my Lord. <laughs> he rescues us. I said he rescues every human being. Who will put their trust. What does he rest rescue us from? He rescues us from ruin. Ruin. He finds us right where we are. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he knows what's under all that mess. I'll tell you something else that he does. He restores us. Somewhere here in Indiana, I don't remember exactly where it was. We have friends that pastor on the other side of Indianapolis, out by Jamestown, North Salem, Indiana. I don't know if you've ever been over there. Little towns. 
We were with them one time somewhere. I don't remember where it was. My wife and I love antiques. We've got a beautiful old Victorian antique bedroom suit. And uh, we've got an antique dining room. I mean, we're old people full of living in, well, the house is not old, but we're living with full of old things. We're getting old. Sitting around and sleeping on old things. I like them. I just, I just, I've always liked the old furniture. And somewhere in, here in Indiana, we were with these folks that we know over there. And we were, we were with them and we stopped at this place. And they had some beautiful pieces and whatever. But somehow we wound up in, I'm going to call it the chicken house. Because that's what we called it when I was a kid. Anybody know what a chicken house is? Y'all don't know what a chicken house is? It's where chickens roost at night. And if you've got the things made, they go in there and they lay their eggs. That's where the chickens live, in the chicken house. Hello? Somehow, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how long it had been there, but there was a dresser that was out, an old oak dresser that was out in the chicken house positioned directly under the chickens' roosting places so that every night it got baptized by the chickens. Now, who would put that furniture out there, that beautiful antique? And listen, they did, they'd forgotten how beautiful it was because somebody had put at least 15 coats of white enamel paint. That person should have been taken out and shot. You don't put white enamel paint on oak furniture. Can I get an amen? Oh, my Lord. Fifteen coats of paint. Every night baptized by chicken dung. It was a mess. And somebody who did not care about that beautiful piece of furniture put it out there. Oh, my Lord, I could go down that road for a while. Somebody that doesn't care about you and me would love to put us out somewhere, out of sight, out of mind, to endure for the rest of our life what we would get every day poured upon us. But you see, there's somebody. As soon as I went in there, I was shocked at the condition of it. But yet, I knew that there was something, listen to me, under all that mess. <laughs> something under all that manure, all that paint. I knew there was something under there that was worth saving, restoring, rescuing. I didn't. I didn't pay the, the money. It wasn't something that I needed right at that moment. But you understand what I'm saying? Somewhere there is somebody. I said somewhere there's somebody that recognizes that under, under all that mess, it's going to take a while to get rid of all that trash. Somebody who is capable will redeem that dresser.
they'll buy it. They could leave it right where it's sitting. If they wanted to, it belongs to them. They bought it. But they love and treasure. They value what's buried under all that trash, all that mess. And they said, no way I'm going to leave this here. I'm going to take that home with me. And the first thing they do is they wash away all the manure. You getting what I'm telling you? First thing the Lord does is he washes us in the blood. Hallelujah. And then salvation, we're already saved. We all belong to him. He bought us. He's washed us in his blood. But he's not going to leave us the way he found us. And some people, they've got layer upon layer upon layer of life. And it takes a while for the, you see, the Lord knows what he's doing. And he doesn't get in a hurry. He can do some things right now. But he's not going to take off layer by layer by layer by layer instantly overnight. How many of you have discovered he's patient with us? <laughs> he's patient with us. And he begins the process of restoration. Listen carefully to me. Restoration. Oh, yeah. He's not going to get in a hurry. He's going to take his time. He's going to get down to the oak dresser. So you can see what it is. So you can understand why he loved it so much. He bought it. <laughs> it's hard to see that until you get down. You know what he's doing? He's restoring it. He's restoring it because he's got a special place in his house. <laughs> I said he's got a special place. In his house, he's going to put it on display so that everybody that comes in, they'll stop and they'll say, my goodness, where did you find this? And it gives him an opportunity to tell the whole story. You should have seen what a mess it was when I picked it out. Hallelujah. How many of you know he's talking about our testimonies? He's got a place in his house for every one of us. And listen, so he works and he restores. And his goal is he's going to restore that. It's going to look exactly like it was when it was first made. When it came off the assembly line, that's his goal. That's his goal for you and me. You're here this morning and there's 15 layers of paint on your life from, from life where you've been and all that's going on. I've come to Connorsville to tell you about a Savior that intends to begin a work in you today. Who loves you. Who has come to redeem your life from destruction. Uh, to rescue you from ruin. One day I was reading in Isaiah 53. And I read that verse about the suffering Messiah. Oh, listen to me. Isaiah wrote of Christ, and he said, Oh, we like sheep 
have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I know the Holy Spirit just kind of jarred me. I read it again. All we like sheep have gone astray. And I heard the voice of God say, stop right there and think about it. So I began to think about what, what, is, what is astray? <laughs> I guarantee you've got plenty of strays here in Connersville. Strays are dogs that don't belong to anybody. If they did have a home at one time, they've left that home and they're living in the streets. They're surviving, but they're not thriving. They're surviving because they eat the trash that's been set out to be collected. They have no water to drink except from the puddles. You, know, you can imagine the condition that they get into. Strays, most of them, they're diseased. They've got parasites on them and in them. Do you get what I just said? Oh, yeah, strays. Parasites on them. And, and, and listen, there's a man out there called the, the dog catcher. That's what we used to call him. And he's looking for strays. He's going to pick them up. And when he finds them, they're going to go in a cage, lock the cage, and listen. They talk about adoption, but very few of those things happen. And there is a date. The plan is we've got to clean this place up. We've got to get rid of these strays. And those strays that are locked up in that cage, they're imprisoned. And there's a date. And if they are not adopted by that date, you know what happens. I said, you know what happens. It reminds you, listen, why I'm saying all of this. Didn't Jesus say the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy but I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. <laughs> Jesus is a rescuer. Strays, they're bound in prison, and there's a date. Their future is certain. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't say it's uncertain. It's certain unless someone who loves strays shows up. <laughs> I said, someone who loves strays shows up. I'm a dog lover. We don't have a dog now, but we've had dogs since we've been married. But where we, what we're doing now, we're traveling all the time. I can't have a dog. I love that little puppy that Austin and Kyle had purchased. That was the cutest dog. They reminded me of the last dog we had, a golden retriever named Sophie. When I had Sophie, I had to go over to where they had the, the, the strays to get a dog license. I don't know why they combined those two. Maybe to make it easy for the people who love strays. I don't know. But anyway, I thought, while I'm here, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to look and see what's, what, what's here. Bad thought, bad decision. Because I'm walking down, and there was the most beautiful German shepherd I think I've ever seen. 
I stopped before his cage, and all of a sudden he went. His thump, his tail thumping on the floor. And I said, I got to get out of here. If I, don't, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to take that dog home with me. You see, I love strays from that perspective. I said they're destined to die. But there's somebody who loves strays more than I do. <laughs> and Jesus, my Lord, he's never seen a stray that he wouldn't adopt. There's never been a stray that he wouldn't rescue from the intentions of the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? There's never been a stray that Jesus would not take home with him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You can just see Jesus coming in. And you know, it's like I said, I, I, I love that German Shepherd, but there were probably other dogs there too. If I'd have taken my time, I just didn't, I had to get out of there. But Jesus takes his time. You can see him coming in, and he goes down, and he's thinking, And he's selecting. And after a while, he just makes it real simple. He tells the guy, I'll take every one of them. I'll take every one of them. And so what happens? The guy, when Jesus said, I'm going to take every one of them, he has no choice in the matter. He comes down and he unlocks the cages. He unlocks the cages. And G then Jesus goes down and at every one of those cages... He stands there and he beckons for that dog that is in prison and it's going to be there. It's going to be there till, till he dies. They're going, to, they're going to execute. Oh, listen, but Jesus is there and he's doing everything that he can to get that dog to come out. Are you listening to me? Many of them do. Most of them. They bound out. Jesus said, I'll take every one of them, but all of them will not come out of that cage. I can't, I can't understand that the, for the life of me, but it's the way it is. And let me just say it this way, and then I'll finish. For everyone that will come out, he adopts them. I said he adopts every one of them. He rescues them. I wonder how many people I'm talking to this morning and you've experienced what I'm saying. He rescued you from certain destruction. My Lord. What's he do? First thing he does. My Lord, they've been on the street. They got the mange. They got ticks. They got fleas. They're eat up with parasites. The first thing he does is he gives them a good bath. <laughs> Uh, they've been used to just, the only bath they've had is when it rained, they'd, you know, find a puddle and they'd, they'd jump in it and have a good time for a while. And it would feel, make them feel better for a while. But how I many of you know, the scratching started all over again. The itching. But, oh, you know, after Jesus gave them a bath, <laughs> One said to another, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't feel that itch anymore. Something's happened. I'm not itching. 
the way I was. I just want to be beside him. And Jesus begins to teach obedience. Because he's going to take every one of them home with him. I said he's taking every one of us. I said he's taking every one of us home with him. I don't know what's going on today. I just know I planned on something else to preach. And I kept going back to this. And this morning when you started the service, you just started singing freedom. Freedom. And I knew this was the plan of God today. I don't know who is here. I don't know where you've been. Don't know anything about you. But I just want to offer you today the greatest, the greatest news. There's a Savior. There's a Savior. And if you've never met him, it's so easy. You know why? Because he loves you so much. He dig up hell to get to you. Yes, he would. Oh, what a savior. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm thankful this morning I'm thankful this morning for your presence. Thankful, Lord, for what you plan to do. You had a divine appointment with us this morning, like you did with the woman at the well. And you came, Lord, to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't know, Lord, the condition of those who are in this sanctuary, but you do. I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Especially, Lord, I pray for those who are not right with God. For whatever reason, maybe they used to be serving you, but this morning that a lot of things have happened and they're just not where they ought to be pray for them today. I pray especially Lord for that one that's here that's never ever surrendered bowed their knee to the name of Christ. Touch and minister Lord in every life today have your way. Accomplish your purpose Lord as we yield to you in Jesus mighty name. Let's stand together. I'm just going to give you a simple opportunity this morning. I've said everything I know to say about the Savior. Well, maybe not everything. To let you know he's here this morning. He was here before you got here. And he came because you were going to be here. He wants you to surrender everything to him. If you're here this morning, they're going to start singing for us. And I'm just going to open the altar. Maybe just have an old-fashioned altar call this morning. Invite you and anybody who wants to come. Maybe there's some folks here today that just needs to come and 
Just spend some time in the presence of the Lord, worshiping Him and praising Him for what He has done in your life. As they begin to sing today, if you need Jesus, step into the aisle and come. And Neil will pray with you.